blessings to you, friends. It is good to be with you here today online. Let us always remember that in all the various places that we gather, the Holy Spirit is with us. God is with us. Friends, welcome to Reuter Chapel's online service. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, I know that folks uh, listen from all over. Uh, send us a message in the comments and please uh, share this with a friend. We're so glad that you joined us. We're so thankful. Let us start our worship with prayer. Almighty and powerful God, who calms the raging storms and provides for our every need, quiet our minds today and help us to see that when the waters get choppy, you pull us out of the storm so that we might go where we are called with confidence, knowing that you will never abandon us. Through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, before I bring Madison up to read the call to worship with me, I want to remind you that today is a communion Sunday. Um, so great thing about online worship is you can just take a moment, hit the pause button. Uh, and just a reminder, you can use bread or a cracker to represent the body of Christ. And a lot of folks will use grape juice, juice, water, any acceptable beverage to represent the blood of Christ. I'm thankful that in this difficult time that we've been given permission to do communion online. So just a reminder to have those elements ready for the communion service that will conclude um, the worship. So I'm going to go ahead and have Madison come up and we're going to do the call to worship. This one's a little bit unique in that it comes from the United Methodist hymnal. It's actually a song, though, not one of our typical call to worships. Uh, in the hymnal number 512, it's a song called Stand By Me, parts of it, written by Charles Albert Tinley, and it says somewhere around the year 1906. Here's the call to worship. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. Lord, hear my cry and rescue me. When the world is tossing me like a ship, upon the sea. God who rules wind and water, stand by me. God stands with you in bright sunshine and deepest storm. God gently guides us to safety and peace. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, we would typically pass the peace uh, at this time. So again, I say peace and blessings be to you. Now friends, here's what's on my heart this week. Since we've started worship and in this uh, coronavirus pandemic, I've kind of done my thoughts that don't make it into the sermon. I guess it could be like a split sermon format. Things that feel important to me. And so here's what was on my mind this week as I was preparing for worship. As some of you know, we canceled our in-person worship last week. Uh, and as I had said, there might be times when folks don't feel well. And it just so happened that this time it wasn't, it was me that wasn't feeling well. And I kept going back and forth it was about Friday when I started to not feel so great. And I thought, let's see what happens. So I waited till later in the day on Saturday to make the decision because I just kept going back and forth. I really didn't want to have to cancel service. But as I thought deeper about it, I remember the advice that I had given myself and that I had said to our congregations. And we said that when we made the decision to start gathering again in our buildings, that if anyone was sick, that was the number one rule. If you were feeling sick, please to stay home. As I thought more, the decision started to come a little bit more into focus. And I decided I would rather explain to people why we didn't meet in our church buildings than have to report that potentially I would have exposed some, some folks to some illness. Uh, and that wouldn't have been a good thing. 
So as I thought, I thought, well, this sounds so easy now when I look back on it. But it wasn't. And that's my point. Sometimes when the answer is clear, the decision is still tough. And canceling service meant that there was going to be some other inconveniences. It meant that I probably needed to get tested uh, for coronavirus to make sure that when we did start meeting back that uh, I knew what those results would be. Thank God my test came back negative. Uh, that came back uh, Friday of this week. So there was the wait time for the test. Um, it also caused me to have to tell a couple that I was supposed to marry. I had to say, you got to find somebody else because based on when the results were going to come in, there was going to be no time to meet with them. And it turns out I was right. I got the results on Friday. They were getting married on Saturday. So fortunately, though, they were able to find somebody. So for just a minute, friends, as I was going back and forth, it seemed easier just to get on with my life. After all, I really didn't have the major symptoms. I did have a few of the, the smaller symptoms, but I didn't have the ones that they, they commonly cite. But in the end, I went back to that Methodist first rule of, of Methodism and our general rules is to do no harm. We're called to do no harm. But as I continue to ponder that decision, even now I say, well, at least some harm was done. This couple had that I love very dearly had to find a new minister. That was some hardship. I was told until I got the results back that I had to be quarantined. So that was hardship for me personally and, and on my family, at least till the test came back. So there was some inconvenience for the couple, to myself, for my church families, to my family. And doing the right thing was not the easiest thing, if you will. But fortunately, it all worked out. The church was able to have service, but even then there were some hiccups. We had some trouble with the recording device. I'm proud to, to, to see that that's working today, but we were able to continue on. They found a new pastor. Church went on, and my family and I were fine. So the inconveniences didn't, were not major hardships now. And so when I do look back on it, this probably shouldn't have been such a debate because the answer from a theological standpoint is quite clear. Doing no harm and living in to that general rule meant that there was no possible way I could have pastored the church or been the, the minister for that wedding. And the right decision was to take myself out of those meetings, although it was inconvenient. But it does no good now to really look back too long and say that I was too cautious. Because what if I would have waited until Friday and until the, the couple? We made all the right decisions in my estimation. So I say all this to say is that we have to take emotion sometimes out of the decisions and ask ourselves, what is the right thing to do for everyone that's involved? And sometimes the answer to the decision or the decision that we make is not going to be the most popular decision. And there will always be some cost in all of the decisions. And I just have learned that sometimes the best decision, the one that is the one that you should absolutely do is sometimes the hardest one to make. I don't like to let people down. It's always been my desire to serve all the people all the time. But friends, I could have easily made an incorrect decision in those desires. So why do I say these words to you today? Friends, this is a time like no other. And undoubtedly, it's taken a toll on each and every one of us. Some things in our lives have been changed. We've had to make difficult decisions on many fronts in many areas. And perhaps in our desire to get back to normal, whatever that looks like, we might think just a little bit longer than we should when making a decision that is probably really easy 
to make if we really get back to doing no harm. And I know that this virus is on everybody's mind, but friends, this isn't just about the virus. In every decision that we make, we have to assess the situation. We have to take stock of the situation. And we should ask ourselves, is the decision we're going to make living into the idea of doing no harm? And does it glorify God? Second rule is, is doing good for all that you can, doing the most good. And so while doing the most good, we should always look to do good for as many as we can. And the last rule is staying in love with God. And it means that we trust God along this journey to show us the way to make the correct decisions. So God is there for us, friends, but God does expect us to do our part to be in prayer and to discern and do the best that we can to make good decisions. And friends, when the tough decisions come in this season and in the future, take a moment, take a step back, take some time, pray earnestly, and ask God to reveal what the right thing is to do that does the least harm. And so friends, as I come to this section, I think about lifting up our prayer request to God, going to God in prayer. And friends, um, before I get to the request, let me give you a few praises. Uh, one is sitting here. Uh, in our living room, she's controlling sound. As many of you know, Jean was in the hospital. She is home and she is doing fine. I also praise God for my um, negative tests. And so I, I've seen God this week in those things. And I want to praise God that we have online format and that God's work is still being done in this time when we, when we don't gather in our churches. As far as prayer requests, um, I've received several this week more of an unspoken nature so let's lift up all of our unspoken requests. And I'm going to ask us to be in prayer, continued prayer for our teachers, everyone in educational staff, the parents and the students, for our church leadership, uh, Bishop Trimble, the extended cabinet, all of the staff, all of our church staff, and our local church here at Ruder Chapel as we continue to discern what is the best way to continue to serve God and to meet in this time. So friends, we lift up all of our praises, but we also lift up our prayer request today. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Let us pray. God of compassion, mercy, and love, remind us today to place our focus on Jesus who calls us to trust in his mercy and care. Help us to keep the needs of others in our hearts and minds, their needs for healing, for comfort, for friendship. Help us to reach out to them and offer our gifts and our service in your name. And we do lift up our unspoken requests today. We lift up with hearts, with our hearts, Lord, this day in prayer. As you have loved us and healed us, so we ask your healing mercies on those of the unspoken request. We ask for your guidance and patience with us as we march through these last weeks of summer. So Lord, with thankfulness and praise and humility, we lift up our prayers to you. In your mercy, Lord, hear our prayers as we say the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As our scripture for today comes 
out of the book of Matthew. We continue on in Matthew. Uh, we're in chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. I'm going to read that in just a second. But let us take a moment and pray for God's wisdom on the scripture. Let's pray. Ever present and loving God, who promised to always be with us, open our hearts and minds to hear the message you would have us to hear today so that we might be challenged and changed while drawing ever closer to you. Through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Again, friends, I'll be reading from Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed a strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why do you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to call my daughter Madison up. Um, this is what we call Scripture into Script. It comes from Nancy C. Townley in a publication called Ministry Matters, and Maddie's going to go ahead and get us started here. I'm so tired. There are so many stresses in my life, and now the church wants me to think about what would Jesus do. They've got to be kidding. I don't have time for this. There are too many things coming up which will need my full attention. That scripture about Jesus walking on the water to the disciples drive me nuts. Unless you have pontoons on your feet, you can't walk across water. You know, I'm I think I'm just going to cruise through the rest of the summer and then get back to this church thing in the fall. Well, I'll be in worship because that's what I do on Sunday. But sometimes it's just too hard to cope with all this stuff. And then there was a vo voice that was heard off to the side. Do not fear. I'm with you. You can handle this and not feel so stressed. Who is that? What do you want? Where are you? I'm right here with you. Relax. You're okay. Call me, I'll see if I can find you. Come to me. Bring your fears and burdens. I can help. Okay, I'll give it a try. I'm coming in the direction of your voice. I'm right here. Do not be afraid. I'm not sure I see you. I'm trying to focus on your voice. This is ridiculous. What am I doing, following a voice? Keep your focus on me. You're almost here now. No, I'm not. I'm scared. I can't see you. I can only hear you, I think. Unless you're just a figment of my imagination. Do not let your faith weaken. You can do this. Help me. I'm falling and failing. Reach out your hand. I'll help you. Lord, save me. I've got you. You are safe. 
Place your trust in me. Oh my God, it's you. You are safe, child. Come with me. Thank you, Madison. Friends, I call this sermon the God of the storms. And as I start today, I hold up my cell phone. I'm sure probably all of you have one of these, don't you? These little devices, these miracles of technology, they save us so much time, don't they? They're so convenient. Texting and messaging, they're just easy ways to communicate. I am often guilty of that. Sometimes it's easier just to send somebody a quick text message, to send them a messenger on Facebook. Sometimes it's just quicker and easier than placing a call. And sometimes there's less noise in the, when you text, so it depends on your environment. But we could all agree, I think, that phones offer convenience and they're easy to communicate with. And so those are some of the upsides. So then I ask myself, what are the downsides of these phones? Well, friends, I ask you to think about today. Have you ever sent a text to someone? You thought it was a good text, only to find out that the message that you sent was not received the way that you intended it. And friends, I learned a while back that I needed to stop conveying really important things by text because it's so easy for the person I'm texting to read the message in a way that they expect my tone to be. And I learned that texts, text cannot convey emotion or tone. They just can't do that. And it's so easy for them to be misunderstood, to be correct, to be incorrectly understood. And so what I'm talking about here is how, we, how a message is heard, it matters. Tone matters. Words without expression or tone sometimes leave us wondering about the intention and the meaning of the message. And so I say all this to say, and I bring up my phone, and I bring up that example because I'm going to ask you to consider maybe that we, we take a different tone when reading some of the scripture instead of how we think people might have meant in their tone. I'm going to ask you to look from a different viewpoint. Because we weren't there to watch Jesus and Peter that day. We have, what we have is the account in the Bible. We have words and we read it. And we often too can assign whatever tone we think it should be. And I'll give you some examples. Most people read the phrase when Jesus says, you have little faith, why do you doubt? And I think the common idea is that Jesus was taking a less than happy tone. It might've been a scolding tone. He might've been a little disappointed. Perhaps he could have been a little angry. And again, feasting on the word, which I love greatly, it says maybe we should consider a different perspective because it would change the whole story. So I'm going to invite you to do that with me today. So we question, is Jesus angry? Or we could say, which I'm going to submit, maybe his tone could have been more playful or kidding. When he said, oh, you have little faith, could he really been meaning, you silly disciples? <laughs> you know it's me. I saved you once again, haha. I mean, could it have been just, him reminding them in a way that you might with your friends that's not necessarily angry, that's just saying, come on, guys, we've been here before. You didn't think I would leave you hanging. You know that's not me. Or do we just read this passage and expect Jesus to be less than happy and perhaps a little bit angry? And then we see the words, little faith. And what do we think about that? Do we think that a little faith is a bad thing as opposed to having a great big faith? And isn't that the way we would typically think about that? More faith is better. Well, I don't think we could probably argue that, but I'm going somewhere with this. Friends, we see in the scripture that Peter and the disciples, they don't have a lot of faith in the scripture. 
But I don't think Jesus was angry. I think Jesus was still being Jesus. Jesus was teaching a lesson in a very important moment. He once again saved them from peril. And I don't think that Jesus is one that only looks at our faults and, and what little that we can contribute to something. I think Jesus is appreciative of what we can contribute in our faith. I don't think he neglects our contributions at all. But friends, Peter might not have an abundance of faith, but I need to remind us today that he had enough faith to get out of that boat. And we should also remember that no one else got out of the boat. So Peter had some faith in this story. Let me take this a little farther. As Feasting on the Word further points out, it seems like there's 13 characters in the story, really. After all, we have Jesus, Peter, and the 11 disciples. That should take us to 13. But as the commentary says, there's really just three groups that we should focus on. Jesus takes action. Peter takes action. But the other 11 disciples are really treated as one group. So it's really like three groups of people. And Feasting on the Word also just pays very close attention about the community that the disciples make up through their own community. And it says that between the disciples' fear was Peter and Jesus. It was Peter's faith and his risk that would ultimately lead to Jesus saving him by an act of grace, reaching out Jesus' hand in grace. And so what does this all mean? Well, friends, this story is so rich in meaning. There's, this is one you should read over and over again and look at the details. This definitely builds on last week where we were talking about Jesus and the 5,000, how Jesus can do a lot with just a little. And friends, we don't always need a huge, humongous faith because a little faith can certainly go a long way. And we also need to be reminded that one person's faith and then the actions that flow when someone's acting out of faith can have a huge impact on a community. And those who take bold risk and move toward Jesus's call, because this was Jesus's call to Peter. It's really a call to discipleship. He got out of the boat and walked towards Jesus. And those who take those bold risks can make a huge difference in the lives of others in the community. Friends, I would argue you can make a huge difference even in the lives of other believers. When we see someone inspired by faith who takes bold action, that is inspiring. And friends, in the time of coronavirus, and we're talking about faith and fear and all those things, I have to be very clear, and I think I need to be very responsible with this message. When we talk about faith and fear, having faith, small or little, is not a call to go in dangerous and treacherous waters blindly. Yes, we are called to go into the deep. We're called to get uncomfortable. Yes, we must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Yes, Jesus does reveal himself in the storms and does save us. But friends, we cannot make terrible decisions under the catchphrase of just faith. We have to make wise decisions and we have to use all of the decision-making ability and make the best decisions that we can. God does have us, friends. Don't misunderstand me. But God expects us to make wise decisions. This isn't a message about fear and faith. And those that have more faith do more dangerous things. That's not it at all. This, to me, is about discerning when the authentic call of God call comes. When God calls us, that we take action. And God is there to save us and to lift us up. And friends, let me just put this in some perspective in the life of a church. Perhaps if we're not talking about huge faith and we just look at a little faith, 
Perhaps having just a little more faith and finding some discomfort safely leads us to contribute just a little bit more to the mission fund to feed the hungry and to clothe those that need clothes or the homeless. Perhaps if we spent just a little more time talking to people that we, that we don't know and we're telling the gospel story, that's not comfortable. That is an act of faith. That it causes us to increase, for many, our faith. And that would create waves in our lives for some people. You have to have a little more faith to contribute a little more, whether it's time, talents, or money. And it does take faith to know that Jesus will pick us up when we are pursuing the call, the discipleship, but we are promised that Jesus will pick us up when we are answering the call. When we're doing the Lord's work, we are assured that Jesus is with us. Jesus very clearly said that when he sent the disciples out in mission, and we see that here again. And friends, I get so excited when I think about what just a little more faith would do. And if the body of Christ, and that means the church, if we'd stop thinking about all this huge faith we have to have and that we have to do everything, and therefore sometimes we don't do a whole lot because we don't know what we should do. But if we'd say that we're going to get just a little bit more uncomfortable and step out just a little bit more, just to have a little more faith, we see time and time again what God has been able to do with just a little bit of faith. And as we saw last week, we saw that in the feeding of the 5,000. So friends, let me go back a little bit to the beginning of the story. We know, well, actually the, the previous week too, we know that Jesus wanted to be alone before he ended up feeding the 5,000. Didn't really happen. And after he dismissed the crowd, we see in this story, he wanted to be alone again. This time it did happen. And he retreated to the mountain. And what did he do? He went to spend time with God in prayer. And so friends, I just want to remind us that we should never underestimate the power of prayer in Jesus' life and how Jesus modeled that. We see many times where he was praying to God. And I think as, as the commentary pointed out, Jesus prayed before the storms. We often see him in prayer before these climatic moments and these, these moments that are so vivid in the Bible. Jesus was praying before them. And it's a reminder that Jesus was prepared in prayer. And perhaps that we should pay a little more time to our and attention to our prayer life so we could better be prepared for the storms. And maybe if we were a little more prepared, the storms wouldn't seem so fierce. Friends, a question I have when I read this story, though, when I think about Jesus walking on the water and disciples being afraid, and I ask myself, are we prepared when Jesus shows up? And do we know when the voice of Jesus is calling us when Jesus shows up? Because he does show up in our lives. Another thing I thought about this week is it's so easy to criticize and to chastise the disciples in a lot of these stories. We, we might say, well, they're in a boat. And we know that some of them were fishermen. They shouldn't have been surprised, some of them, when the waves come. Surely this wasn't the first time they'd ever seen a storm in their lives. It's just part of what a lot of them did for their work before being disciples. But I, I want to center us here as Feasting on the Word says, the disciples weren't afraid of the storms necessarily. They were afraid of Jesus because they'd never seen Jesus in that light, walking on water. And the commentary suggests that they were a little bit scared. They weren't sure if it was actually Jesus. And we see that where Jesus is wanting to verify throughout the story. So they were just wondering if they were being tricked, if they were being deceived. And so we could read this and think, they should have known better. 
They really should know better. They've been with Jesus all this time. They've seen all the good works and miracles Jesus has done. They have dropped everything to follow Jesus. Why do they still doubt? And friends, I just want to also remind us today that I was told um, in my seminary training that when we read things about the disciples, we should also insert us into these texts because we are disciples. We are called. So we doubt too sometimes like the disciples. So when we read these stories, we just need to be reminded these include us. And friends, I would ask us to think about today. Haven't we seen Jesus save us from the storms? And it should, should it be surprising to us when Jesus continually reaches out his hand to save us? And do we recognize in our lives when that is happening? And friends, when we're riding out those storms, like Peter, do we take our eyes off of Jesus? Human nature, right? We want to take action. We want to do things. It's hard to wait. We see in the scripture that when we are living a life and answering our call, Jesus is there for us. So friends, let's think about when the storms come, are we praying out of desperation? And could we benefit from a little more preparation? And do we tend to worship Jesus only or perhaps more when we are safe, when we're through the storm, as they did when they got in the boat than they were worshiping? Do we tend to worship more when we're through the storms? So as I begin to close, friends, let me just continue to remind us, again, context matters. This passage is clearly a reminder that Jesus calms the storms in our lives and that having a relationship with Jesus, though, does not keep us from those storms, but it prepares us to ride them out with the help of our Savior who promised to be there for us. And as the church and as the body of Christ, collectively, our actions do make a difference in our communities. And while we're often looking for the big things to do, we could make huge progress if we just show a little bit more faith, step out just a little bit more as we're answering our call to discipleship and the calls that God has placed upon our lives. Friends, there's so much work to be done here on earth to bring the reign of God to God's people here on earth. And we could all criticize Peter for having just not enough faith. But the truth is, friends, he got out of the boat. It wasn't perfect, but he did answer the call. And when he started to fall, when he started to take his eyes off of Jesus, Jesus saved him as he was answering that call. And in that saving moment, and as Jesus conquered the waves and the water, we see that God was revealed again, just as God was throughout all the Old Testament. As God parted the Red Sea, as the River Jordan swelled when when the people were delivered into the promised land. God has always conquered the storms. And we see that again in this story. The water and the storms were used to prove Jesus as Lord. Do not be afraid, it says, because when Jesus shows up, we shouldn't be afraid. And Jesus will show up. And the God of the storms calls us all to get out of the boat. Gotta get out of the boat, friends, with just a little more faith and into discipleship. God is revealed in the storms and God picks us up when we work for God's glory. Do not doubt. Just have a little more faith, friends, and take action. Get out of the boat and watch what our God can do with what we give. Friends, I'm going to play this song from Divinity Trio as Gene um, 
cues that up. This actually came from the village when we were able to have it. It's from Divinity Trail. It's called The God of the Storms, and I hope that you enjoy this. talks about uh, the disciples when they were stuck out on the sea. They were in a boat that they had been in many, many times before. And they were on a sea that they had been on many times before. But in this particular moment, they were up against a storm and a trial that they had never experienced the likes of. But I'm so thankful tonight for that very same Jesus that came walking across those waters to calm that storm and rescue them when they were at their wit's end, when they were at a point where they had no idea how they were going to go on. That very same Jesus can be the God who comes walking across the storm of your life tonight. I want you to listen to Tony sing a brand new song for you. It's called God of the Storm. <laughs>
friends, he is indeed the God of the storms. And I, for those of you that don't join us all the time, that's a great example. Um, when we're able to come together, we do have concerts and we have fellowship and we feed folks. That is something that we do as a community. We call that the village. So there will be days ahead where we can do this again. And we so look forward that we can make new friends and come together again. So friends, as we move on with the service, allow me to take just a moment to share some information how you can send in your tithes. And there are several ways to do it. Uh, many have just been sending a check to the church. You can always do that. The address is posted there on the Facebook page. You can also give digitally um, through the Facebook page. Uh, if you click on the About Us section, there's a little icon that looks like the earth, the world. If you click on that, you can set that up one time, uh, and then it's real easy to do that uh, week to week. So I just continue to thank you for your support of our ministries, and uh, we just continue to be very grateful. But let me go ahead then and say a prayer for the offering. Let us pray. The richness of God's mercy is poured over us every minute of our lives, even when we least expect it. Today we offer our gifts and tithes and gratitude for all that God does for us and with us so that we might become better servants of the gospel. Amen. Friends, that concludes the regular part of the service. We are now going to continue on uh, to communion. And I will be reading from what's called a service of word and table. Of course, you won't have your hymnals in front of you. So I will lift up my hands uh, when normally would be the time, just so you can kind of see uh, the, the communal aspect of it. Let us go ahead and get started. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let us pray for a blessing of the elements. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. 
Let's go ahead and get your elements out. I have here a wafer from this pack. Uh, friends, whatever you have at home, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Go ahead and partake of the body of Christ. And friends, whatever you have, juice, water, whatever your beverage is, this is the blood of Christ that was shed for you. Go ahead and partake of the blood of Christ. Amen. Friends, that concludes communion service. Let me now offer the benediction. You have been embraced by the love of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and blessed by Jesus to go into this world to offer healing and hope. Go in peace, friends, but go and tell someone about Jesus. Amen. As we close, we turn your eyes upon Jesus. God bless you all.